0: So this morning, um, I want to begin with a poem, part of a poem. This is part of a poem by T.S. Eliot. And the part that I'm going to read says this. "O oh, the world of spring and autumn, birth and dying, the endless cycle of idea and action, endless invention, endless experiment, Brings knowledge of motion, but not of stillness. Knowledge of speech, but not of silence. Knowledge of words, and ignorance of the word. All our knowledge brings us nearer to our ignorance. All of our ignorance brings us nearer to death. But nearness to death, no nearness to God. Where is the life we have lost in living? Where is the wisdom we have lost in knowledge? Where is the knowledge we have lost in information? The cycles of heaven in 20 centuries bring us farther from God and nearer to the dust. It's a good question, isn't it? Where is the life we have lost in living? So if Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, why is it, So many of us miss out on life. So, Jesus calls us to walk with Him and to know not only the way to get to God, not only the truth about God, but also the life that's found only in God. In a world of darkness and death, where is the life we have lost in living? In John chapter 1 verse 4, John says, In him that's in Christ was life, and that life was the light of men. We live in a world of darkness that has lost life. It has become empty and meaningless, without purpose or direction. And that purpose and direction and meaning can only be found in the God who creates life, out of darkness speaking out of nothing, speaking into the darkness and creating that life. You all remember uh, John 3, 15 and 16. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and he's telling him that he has to be born again. Nicodemus doesn't understand. And Jesus says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but he, whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. <clears throat> this is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. They chose to live in the darkness. They chose to live a dying life. when all around them is the beauty, the creation, the glory of God revealed through all that He has made. Later on in John chapter 3, verse 36, Jesus makes it even clearer. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. But whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. And so we can live a life that's filled with light and life, or we can fill a life full of strife and wrath. God puts that choice upon us. We are created in God's image to bear His image, to be the testimony of the nature and character of God to the rest of the earth. We were created in God's image to uh, have authority over all the rest of creation, all that He's created, all that He has given us, all life, all inanimate objects, He's placed underneath our hands. And we've destroyed and corrupted and perverted it all. Later on, uh, as an old man, John writes a letter to the churches in which he says, This is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in His Son. He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. So over and over again we find this message throughout Scripture. God invites us to know Him. He invites us to walk with Him. He invites us to participate in in the life that is Him. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9, talks about Jesus being made a little lower than the angels. And Paul tells us in Philippians that that was part of Christ emptying Himself to become like us, like you and like me. To live an earthly life like ours, in this present world, just like us faced with all the temptations, all the allure and the attractions of this world. He walked it just like you and me. Hebrews says, Jesus was made a little lower than the angels, now crowned with glory and honor, because He suffered death, so that by the grace of God, He might taste death for everyone. So the death that Jesus died on the cross, He did that for you and for me. He tasted death so that He, by His victory, can impart that victory to us. And that's what He's come to do. Paul tells us in Romans chapter 5, Therefore there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. I want us to look a little bit this morning at what that means. In Acts chapter 2, part of Peter's sermon on Pentecost Sunday, he makes the following statement. Acts 2, verses 22 through 24. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. <clears throat> but God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. It was impossible for death to keep its hold On Jesus. Because He is life. And He is sinless. And He is God in the flesh. He died a real death. Just like you and I will die one day. And He was dead and He was buried. But because of the life in Him, because of who He was, He rose from the dead. Now for all people who have accepted Christ as their Lord and Savior... Jesus Christ lives within our heart. And Paul says the life that we now live, we have been dead to sin. That sin nature is crucified with Christ. And now we are supposed to live. We are called to live a resurrection life. And so when Christ is in our heart, we have the author of life Himself living within us. Sharing, imparting His life, His grace, His faith, His power. So that when we die... In Christ, God will raise us from the dead, freeing us from the agony of death because it's impossible for death to keep its hold on us because of Christ, because of His presence. The spirit of life in Christ Jesus rises up and sets us free from the law of sin and death. So we're called to live that way. Paul writes to the church at Corinth that he says, Death has been swallowed up in victory. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, He gives us the victory through our Lord, Jesus Christ. So God imparts that to us through His Son. Back in John chapter 5, He says, For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. And we have examples of that, don't we? In Jesus' life when He walked this earth, um, (coughs) there was a a ruler of the synagogue by the name of Jairus. He had one daughter, an only child. And she was about 12, and she died. She got sick, and she died. He had gone to Jesus to try to get Jesus to come and, and heal her. He believed and he trusted that Jesus, and he had seen it. And on the way, from when he went to get Jesus to when they got there, the girl died. When they got to the house, all the mourners were already there. People were weeping and crying because this young life had been canceled. And Jesus, he didn't get there in time. But now she's dead. What can he do? Jesus said, she's not dead. She's asleep. And they laughed at him. They laughed at him. They didn't believe it. But the power of the, lo- of, of the blood of Christ, the power of life, is not dependent upon us. And it's not dependent upon our belief, is it? It's the power of God. Jesus put them all out. He walked in and He called her by name and brought life back into that dead body. And she rose up and He gave her back to her family. There was a funeral going on. Jesus was walking by and there was a funeral, funeral procession that already had the funeral. They were on the way to the gravesite. They were carrying the body. He's going to bury this son, this boy, this young man. And Jesus walks up and he does a, a radical thing. He walks up and he puts his hand on the casket, on the funeral pyre that they were carrying. For a Jew, that made him unclean, because now he's in contact with something associated with a dead body. And Jesus walked up put his hand on that thing and everybody stopped and looked at him and his mother was there a widow now all her hope for any future is gone because they didn't have social security government wasn't going to help Um, husband's dead son's dead she's an old woman her life is in serious trouble and Jesus raises this boy this young man and gives him back to his mother the life of Christ He can give it to whomever He's pleased to give it. You remember His good friend, Lazarus. And they came and they said, Lazarus, your friend is sick and dying. You need to come. And Jesus intentionally waited. And the man died. And it raises all kinds of questions, doesn't it? Jesus got there. And He had already been in the the grave for four days. His sisters come out to meet Jesus. One after the other, and each of them, when they got to Jesus individually, said, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. They, Martha says, Lord, I'm, I believe that, you're, that you are the Lord. I believe that you will raise us up at the last day. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection is not an event, it will be an event, but primarily the event is there because of the person of Jesus Christ. The event would not take place apart from him. And so he was telling Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection, the event only has meaning because I make it have meaning. And if you have me, then it's better than all the events that can take place. In him was life. He is the author of life. He is the same God who spoke out of nothing and created everything that is, including you and me. So Jesus went over and to show them that it's more than words. He goes to the tomb where Lazarus had been buried for four days and he says, Open it. Tremendous act of faith for Martha. And she gave the word and they opened the tomb. Jesus says a short prayer to the father and he calls Lazarus by name and he says, come forth. And the man that had been dead four days walked out of that tomb. So Jesus was telling Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And that's his word for each one of us who have Christ in our heart. Isn't it? He who believes in me, Jesus said, will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. And then he asked them the question that he asked us this morning Do you believe this? More than just an intellectual understanding. It has to be down in our heart, and when it's in our heart, it affects every day. Because each and every day, we're supposed to live this resurrection life. Remember Paul was saying, I die every day? He's dying to self. He's dying to the sin. He's dying to the temptations around him. He's dying to his own desires. And he's saying that I'm living a resurrection life now. Every day. Not just waiting until I die physically. Because we're all dead in trespasses and sin. Every one of us. And the good news is, Jesus died to impart his life to you and me. Every day. And we can know Him every day. We don't live our lives by ourselves. So the question that He asks is a good question. Do you believe this? So part of what happens there, and the reason that takes place, and the reason that sin didn't have a hold upon Jesus, or death didn't have a hold on Jesus, Jesus tells us, uh, just before the crucifixion, the prince of this world is coming, He has no hold on me, but the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. So because of his love for God, because he obeyed Him to the bitter end, there was no sin in his life, and he took our sin upon himself. Satan had no hold on him. If any person is in Christ, we've accepted Christ in our heart, we've confessed our sins, we've repented, that means we've changed our way of living, then that's true for us. Because the blood of Christ covers us. And when God looks at you and me, if we are in Christ, what He sees is He sees His Son. He sees through the blood of Christ, and He sees you and I as sinless as Jesus in God's sight. So when we die, sin has no hold on us. Because He's freed us from that. And He's imparted His life. And that is the life that we live because of His grace and mercy. So what does that mean for us on a daily basis? Each day we're walking in the Lord. Each day we're dying to the sin and the temptations around us. uh, Living that resurrection life. And so it's not the focus is not upon what we're denying. The focus is on the life that he's imparting. And it's a life that has purpose and direction and meaning. Now there's still circumstances and difficulties that we all face. Um, there are challenges that we meet each and every day. But the point is, when Christ is in the heart, the circumstances become irrelevant. Because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So, this is what Jesus says about us. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him or her. Whoever believes in me, in Jesus, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within you. That's better than the promise he gave to Abraham. When God called Abraham, he called him to leave his home, his family, everything that he had behind, and go, and go to a place that God would show him. Abraham didn't even know where he was going. I wonder if he asked, like the disciples, we don't know where you're going, how can we know the way? And Jesus said, I am the way. You don't need to know the destination if you know who's walking with you. I am the truth, I am the life. And he told Abraham that God was going to bless him. And he said, through you, all the peoples of the world will be blessed. As Abraham walked with God, the result was blessing wherever he went. It wasn't that he was going someplace in order to receive a blessing. He was going someplace to become a conduit, a vessel, for God's grace and God's blessings and mercies to flow through Him to the people around Him. And so as Christians, as we walk with the Lord, the key to our relationship with God is not how blessed we are, but how blessed other people are because of Christ working through us. And so what He's saying is, whoever believes in Me, Jesus says, streams of living water will flow from within them. I can't do that. You can't do that. It's His presence with us. So He tells the disciples, you are the light of the world. It's not because we're so brilliant. It's because He is. We're a light bulb. He's the light. And He's shining through us. If we have Him within us, then His light shines through. If we don't, everything within us is dark. And we've got nothing to offer. So God's wanting us to know Him as the life. Resurrection life on a daily basis. The streams of living water, which which John tells us is the Holy Spirit flowing in and through us. That's His desire and will for us. You are the light of the world, the life of Christ flowing through you and me. We should be riverbeds, streams of mercy flowing through each one of us, giving life to all around us. And that's the desire that God has for us. So as the light of the world, as the life of the world, he calls us to live in a world of death and darkness, that Christ might be seen and exalted, and the result is people around us are illuminated and receive life. It's the life of Christ lived in and through us. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful that you have found us in our darkness, in our despair, in our hopelessness, in our guilt and shame, in our fears and in our doubts and confusion. And you have come to impart to us the life that you created. Life that gives light and health and hope to all around us. We pray, Lord, that as we walk with you on a daily basis, that that power of God that raised Jesus from the dead would be at work within us, in the darkness that we live in, in the death that surrounds us, that we can find the life of Christ in our living. And we ask, Lord, that you would be lifted up and exalted. And as we draw close to you, that life of Christ would be imparted in us and through us. Wherever we are, whoever we're with, whatever we're doing, that you would be exalted by all that we are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Getting ready to go to the river for the baptism. Before we do that, I want to thank the Fries for, again, providing the place here. Greg and Holly, thank you. And all the people who worked hard uh, to make this camp possible uh, this year. The ladies that worked in the kitchen, Kara uh, and Ann. Uh, thank you. All the people that worked with the di- different activities and things. Uh, we sure appreciate everything and everybody's help. We give you thanks. And, uh, one other thing that we need to know, Jonathan. This is Jonathan's last Sunday. Is that all? That's happening because it's, it's my last <laughs> Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> this is Jonathan's last Sunday with us, so he'll be leaving, what, Thursday? Yeah. Okay. So if you want to, uh, to meet with him or share with him, you've just got a few days left. We appreciate uh, God's ministry in him and through him to us and to our children. And we want to get some people up here, and we, just, we want to pray for Jonathan. Um, so whoever wants to pray for him, uh, if you'll come up here and join us, we'll pray for him. Commission him to go from us.